Hey, I'm Miles. And I'm Alex. We like football. And here are six picks. All right, so it's Championship Week, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to start off with two observations from last week instead of three. We usually do three, but since last week there were only a few games, we're only going to be doing two. But I'm going to start with my first observation, and that is that Debo Samuel is the lifeblood of the 49ers offense. So I, I just really, really need to like know the fact that Batman really carried them. That entire game, although the stat sheet doesn't really show it, although he had about maybe 120 scrimmage yards that game, he got every single third down conversion. He fought, and he, you could see it. You could see it in the way he was playing. He was playing hurt, but he really gave everything for that team. So I don't, I don't even know how to describe how Kyle Shanahan's really using him at the moment. He's using him like a running back, a receiver, and uh, just... I think the the best way you can put it is he's like the Taysom Hill of receivers. I think that's like he can do a like he can there for instance the dagger play like the third and seven to get the first down for the field goal to make the field goal a lot easier. Uh, He broke a tackle when he only had two yards a game against Jair Alexander and got that got that first down to make the field goal very easy. So yeah, yeah, and. He's the workhorse of the offense. He really is, and he just provides like some explosiveness, but also strength and speed, and something that Mm -hmm. I feel like that offense definitely needs, especially when um, I feel like setting up the play-action game for Jimmy G is going to be really important in this NFC Championship. So we'll hope that Debo is going to be healthy enough to help them carry that through that game, and if Debo plays the way he did last Sunday, then we could be seeing them in the Super Bowl. That's very likely, yeah. Okay. For my first observation, I'm going to stick with wide receivers here. I'm going to put a lock on it and say, uh, as we know, Cooper Cup is having statistically a top five receiving uh, season. But Cooper Cup is a top five clutch player in the NFL. Let's not get it done. This is one of the most clutch wide receiver performances I've ever seen in the divisional round, too. So that, that clutch performance is in the divisional round. Cooper Cup had nine receptions for about 20 yards each for 183 yards in total and a touchdown. And let's not act like Cooper Cup couldn't have done more. And, like, that, that stat sheet is really incomplete because, you know, once they got in field goal range, they just had to kill clock. So Cooper Cup easily, if this was, a, if this was like any other game, he could have easily had 200 yards. This is damn near one of the best playoff performances a wide receiver has ever had. And let's not act like Cooper Cup is not one of the most clutch players in the league. He has 600 fourth quarter yards. That's better than like half of the wide receiver twos in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like he's had, he's also had five touchdowns. Like literally you can take the final quarter of Cooper Cup's play. And then you can, you can put that like, and compare it to like other wide receivers in the leagues. And it stands up pretty well. Like he is literally almost four times as good as other wide receivers. He's, he just had one of the most impressive, arguably the most impressive play last week that, uh, everything was going wrong for the Rams. And when I say everything, I mean everything. Cam Akers wasn't rushing the ball well. They had fumbles in the fourth quarter. And Tom Brady was searching for vengeance. You know, when you're playing a clutch player like Tom Brady, who has the most established resume, arguably, in sports history, you know, you kind of got to make a play. Cooper Cup made the play. Cooper Cup is one of the most clutch players and maybe the most clutch receiver I've ever played. I mean, I've ever seen. Yeah, and... You and I both know that we love Cooper Cup. You and I yeah. have love for that man. And he's really just, you love to see a receiver like that that does everything. He blocks a lot, a lot, a lot. In the first yeah. game, in the wild card game, 
Um, although the stat sheet didn't show it and he had about 60 yards and a touchdown, he was blocking on nearly every single play, and he's vital to that run game. They really need him as yeah. much as they might need like a tight end or literally like an offensive lineman. He is quite literally just everything for their offense. And Thatcher is also very underrated. He's he's like he's pretty pretty uh, pretty built, and he's six two. So like you know, I wouldn't like I wouldn't guess Cooper Cup six two. I would maybe guess five eleven or something. But like you know, Cooper Cup's really good physically at blocking too. It's yeah. just he's having he's one of the craziest wide receivers in the league. And if you still don't think that, even after this week in the playoffs against a very good Rams defense or a really good Bucks defense, I don't know what to say. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, it probably does. It probably does like line up just a bit that Matt Stafford does have statistically better second half passing, you know, numbers, and yeah. also especially in the fourth quarter. But he also probably knows there's one guy on this offense I can rely on in crunch time. It's Cooper Cup. It very easily is Cooper Cup. He is having an offensive player of the year t- type season, and like just I just feel like him as a player. He doesn't really come off as a flashy type of player. He comes off as intelligent, hardworking, and just gritty. He shows up in the biggest moments and it's just really it's really a marvel to just watch his routes and his and just see like the plays that he makes, especially late in games. I mean, one of his touchdowns in that game was a blown coverage assignment, but if you just look at everything he's doing for that that offense, those stats don't even fully show everything that he's doing. So we just gotta give that man love. And I really hope to see him and at the NFL's at the NFL honors, I really hope to see him with an offensive player of the year trophy. As do I. As do I. He really deserves it. All right. So my second observation, I think this one is something that we've all noticed throughout the throughout the season, but it's been a little bit overlooked because of the success of Jamar Chase. But the Bengals need O line improvement badly. They oh, allowed yeah. nine sacks to the Titans defense, and obviously. Before the season began, and there was still, and when, when there was a lot of draft coverage going on, the real question was: Are the Bengals going to take Chase or Suell? So yeah. Panay Suell, who ended up going to the Lions, um, he's an offensive tackle, and basically everybody was saying, "Look, we know that Joe Burrow is a franchise quarterback, but he tore his ACL last season, his and rookie season, his rookie season. So that's not something you want to see. You need to protect him." And they didn't. They didn't. They didn't draft uh, an offensive lineman. They drafted a wide receiver. But as we also know, Jamar Chase has been lights out, literally insane. Literally like the best rookie wide receiver season we've ever seen. So it's it's just like, hey, man. I mean, I would take Jamar Chase easily in that in that regard. But let's not let's not overlook the fact that you know we still need to protect Joe Burrow. He has taken nine sacks. It's really really lucky that. You know, he is a tough guy, but also the fact that he has not gotten injured, at least severely injured, as we know of, in one of those plays. So I really would like to see them maybe add like an offensive lineman or two, at least at least one first or second round offensive lineman Mm -hmm. and then maybe somebody in free agency. I think it could really even elevate this team even more, which is scary to think about because, I mean, they're insane right now, even when Joe Burrow's under pressure. So it'd it'd be big for them, though, because they need to protect their franchise quarterback. I don't care if this offense gets five touchdowns inside the Super Bowl. They need they need this offseason to do whatever they can to get uh to get uh that, that offensive line because that is the literal only thing they're lacking right now. Okay. Now as for my second observation, I'm gonna talk about something that pains me a lot, and it's the Packers special teams. I think this is maybe one of the worst units I've ever seen in the NFL, truthfully. They've stunk all year. 
you know, Mason Crosby has regressed. Not to say he's, you know, he, he's like he's regressed, and you know that that does that does uh, that does say a lot because he was one of the best kickers in the league before this. But Mason Crosby re- regressed ever since that Bengals game. Uh, and this game against the 49ers was probably the worst special teams uh, special teams game I've played. Uh, I've seen. Now, the the Packers receive or the Packers uh, punt receiving and kick receiving punt returning kick returning team. They played that's like an average performance, which is still bad for the Packers. Packers average is still bad, but if you look if you look at uh, what they gave up on the return team for the 49ers, 49ers were damn near getting to the 40 every fucking play. And that's only the third worst aspect of this uh, of the special teams. They also can't punt block. That was that was maybe the worst play I think I've ever like ever seen the Packers perform this season. They just the 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 blocking was done in like half a second. You know, one move and block the punt. And then after the punt, you see every Packers player looking around like, what the fuck to do? Grab the ball. They all looked confused on that play. It's just a perfect example of poor coaching. Uh, the offensive uh, or the special teams coordinator, uh, I believe it's his name is Maurice Drayden. He needs to go. Maurice Drayden has been horrible. This has been, and, and I'm just going to touch it with the icing on the cake. On the last play that ended the Packers season, they had 10 men to block the field goal out. 10 men. Football is an 11-man game. So on the like a damn near game-ending play, they had 10 men to block the field goal, which is crazy. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just really disappointing to see because that defense put together a good performance. And although the offense did not put together a performance that you'd like them to see, yeah. they were in the game completely. It was their game to, you know, it was their game to lose, and they, they lost it. And if I recall correctly, in that Bengals game that you were talking about with Mason Crosby, I believe he missed three field goals in that game that would have won and, the game and an in, in regulation. Yeah, and an extra point. And an extra point. And although, you know, maybe he redeemed himself with the game-winning kick, I, I think that's a good show, yeah, that he's regressed, and it's it's just not good to see for the Packers. Just it, just to see, like, your entire season go out that way on the back of your special teams when it wasn't, like, a turnover from your offense or bad play from your defense. It was special teams. And yeah. although people do say there are, you know, there are three sides to the game, nobody nobody is really thinking about special teams exactly. You know what I mean? You're thinking about the offenses and defenses against one another. So I know that that is a bit counterintuitive, but like just to lose that way when you kind of just, we're just thinking about the offense and defense itself, then to lose on a special teams play, it's, it's it must be maddening because it's just like, well, well, what do you do? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah that's... That's one really bad way to end the season. Yeah. Like for special teams, the only the only thing people really think about is just don't suck. Just don't suck. Just play 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 decent. I don't like you can get you can miss one field goal a game, whatever. Just just don't suck. Just be okay. Like special teams is it's much more simple than like offense and defense and it just sucks how the Packers went out like this. Yeah, for sure. All right, so now to our second topic, and this is after the Chiefs and Bills game, where there was a bit of controversy with the overtime rules. I think all of us, all of us in our right minds, knew that if Josh Allen got the ball after Patrick Mahomes scored that touchdown to Travis Kelsey, Josh Allen was going to go down the field and match that. And yeah, it's really, really a difficult situation because 
those are the overtime rules and it's one and done. But Alex and I wanted to propose some possible overtime rule changes. Um, and my first overtime rule change would just be to start at the 50, like college game starting at the 25. But each team would get a possession. And this would hopefully try to solve the problem that you can be one and done, but also kind of take away from the physical strain of going a full field drive, starting at the 50, maybe even starting around the 40 would be something good just to lower the, you know, lower the amount of plays that you're going to have because what the NFL would rather happen, the NFL with their, with their rules thing they want to happen most is literally to have a run back on the first play. So overtime could be done as fast as possible because the thing is they don't want their players to get hurt. They don't want these games to go on really, really long and have their star players get hurt. You know what I mean? What if we played that game longer and longer and we saw, you know, Patrick Mahomes get injured, even though if the chiefs do win that game, Patrick Mahomes is injured. And I feel like that's the NFL's goal and, you know, their current overtime rules. But hopefully with this system, we would be giving each team a chance and it wouldn't really be relying on, you know, the coin flip. And it basically would hopefully just, just kind of just eliminate situations like this from ever happening again. You would have, you know, the ball in your hands and you would have to make, you would have to, as an offense, would have to make the plays because you would get either another possession after their offense had the ball or you would get the ball first. and. Eventually, how this would end, it, it would be if a team didn't do anything on their drive, they might have missed a field goal, or the other team um, throws a pick six, anything like that. That would mm-hmm. that would consequently end these end these games. But I really think that it's not a big deal to really change those rules just slightly. I think it would still accomplish the same thing and eliminate problems like this from ever happening again. Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. And the college rules do 100% work for, for college. And I do think it's actually a bit better idea for you know the NFL, since it's more talent pooled, to give them a, a bit more plays. Uh, and that's that's why I agree with like the 50 yard, uh, the 50 versus the 25. I think that would be better for an NFL style play. Um, one thing that I also think is, I think it's a good idea to maybe just play out the quarter. Just maybe play out the quarter, see which team, like, you know, it's just like starting within the half. I think you give, and the only difference is I would treat it like a normal quarter, but instead of giving three timeouts, I'll make it two since it's only one quarter and each NFL team gets three timeouts per uh, per half. So since it's only one quarter, they get two. That's really the only thing I would change for this scenario. And I think it's a better scenario than just, you know, a coin toss, which 90% of the teams that, uh, win in overtime when the coin toss. So, yeah, I think it's that's a better system than letting the letting the game rely on a coin toss to see who can win it all. Yeah, and also, you know, just us as viewers would definitely like to see. Obviously, us as viewers would love to see that game go on. But just again, thinking about the players a little bit more, it'd be beneficial if the NFL, you know, did this. But it would also benefit the viewers if you were to implement either. You know, starting from the 50 yard line and giving each team a possession or doing what Alex mentioned. And I really feel like these overtime rules are really going to be looked into over this offseason. Will they change? Who knows? But it'd be good to see the NFL at least think about changing these rules. Yeah. All right. So, our third topic, um, I think Alex would like to introduce it because he might introduce it a little bit better than I can. But uh, the real question here is 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 it an end of an era? Um, yeah, I believe this is the end of an era. Brady is likely to retire. 
uh, Aaron Rodgers is likely to move teams. You see young quarterbacks emerging and stuff. Uh, yeah, it's it's probably the edge of an era. I mean, just look at look at the current teams. You know, Buccaneers could very well collapse because of a quarterback movement. Uh, Bills are looking on the upside. Chiefs looking like they're going to take over and make it their era. Bengals on the upside. Packers look like they're going to fall apart. It, it, like every team who who was doing good, like maybe five years ago, except for like if the if the Packers keep Aaron Rodgers, like either they either they're just not as good as they were before or they have like a completely new face of like the franchise and stuff you know like the patriots they have mac jones now and they have uh they have a young quarterback leading instead of you know a veteran quarterback and tom brady you know really the only thing holding this to like holding this uh thing together now is tom brady who's likely to retire may not retire though and aaron rodgers who's likely to switch teams and i think him switching teams would counsel it as a creating a new era uh i think it's likely to become one yeah and as of right now we cannot confirm or deny if tom brady will be retiring but there has been more speculation just as as of right now um people around him have been saying that it's likely that he might retire maybe because of his family and most likely not because of him and his body but i think that He's decided it may be a good time for him to hang up the cleats. Obviously, there's always been speculation after every single year, is this Tom Brady's last year? But this year out of all years might really be his last year, and he might retire. And now for Aaron Rodgers, I, Aaron Rodgers will definitely run it back is my consensus. But mm-hmm. if we look at this now, Drew Brees is gone. Big Ben just retired. Philip Rivers has been gone for two seasons now. This is really, yeah, this is really an end of an era, but not necessarily because those old quarterbacks are retiring, but we have our new Brady Manning because now we have Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes officially. Mm-hmm. And then we even have players now like Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson yes. in the AFC, and then you have Justin Herbert in the NFC. You have good quarterbacks, great young quarterbacks everywhere. So this really feels like the new generation of the game, especially with all these guys having one thing in common, and it's that they are mobile and they, you know, Maybe they have different play styles. They play a different type of offense depending on what system they're in. But all these guys kind of have the traits of a mobile improvising quarterback. And that's just something new of the new generation. So it feels like these new quarterbacks are dominating. And that looks like that's going to be the the mold for every new young quarterback coming into the NFL. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame to see this old era go. And, you know, about the... The playstyle thinks these new quarterbacks. That's that's honestly one of the reasons it's going to be a new era. You're going to see less of those pocket passers. I mean, if you look at the rookie quarterbacks this year, is Justin Field a pocket passer? Is Zach Wilson a pocket passer? Is Trevor Lawrence? Well, Trevor Lawrence can kind of maybe you could consider him a pocket passer. Is Trey Lance? A yeah, but he does have mobility. Yeah, yeah. None of these quarterbacks play like you know how like the I think the standard quarterback would be Peyton Manning. Like. Peyton Manning was probably the if you envision like how like a perfect quarterback would play twenty years ago, it'd be Peyton Manning. Just can sling the ball far, can sling the ball accurate, stays in the pocket. That's that's not at all what uh, the the pocket stuff is not at all what the new generations of quarterback do. They can zoom in and out of it really quick, and that is a good way to measure if the era is ending. Yeah. Okay. 
Now, I believe next we have our conference pick, right? Oof, I'm looking forward to this one. Okay, me too, so me too. I may give it away with this first sentence, but or with this second sentence, but this Rams, this Rams 49ers game is gonna be it's gonna be really good. And the game this kind of reminds me of is Bama, Georgia. I think this is a scenario where you had a loss less than three weeks, like or like about like three weeks ago. And you know it's gonna it's gonna be a really tough one. It's gonna be uh, a close battle, even though the scoreboard for uh, Bama Georgia and the championship didn't seem that uh, didn't seem that close. It was very much a close game throughout like seven eighths of like the game or something. I got the Rams beating them by this much. I got the Rams twenty seven twenty four. I believe that was the same score uh, that the Forty ers versus Rams had in the in the second time they played, like in the last week to get the 49ers into the playoffs. But, you know, uh, when I look at these two teams, they're very similar except for uh, one aspect, and that's quarterback. They both got great coaches, great defenses, you know, very flexible receiving rooms and uh, OBJ and uh, Pup, and then you got Kittle, and then you got Debo. They both have... I would say top five defenses. I think they both have top five defenses who can turn the ball over, play with such ferocity that it can scare the offense. Yeah, the only difference they have is quarterback right now, and I got the Rams at home. I don't think Sean McVay is going to blow another lead like he blew his first lead uh, while while leading at halftime. That like Sean McVay had a three year stretch of not like blowing a lead until until uh, the Forty ers and Kyle Shanahan broke it. I can't I can't see them losing this game again. I trust Kyle Shanahan to, or I, I mean, I trust Sean McVay to uh, outcoach Kyle Shanahan. Sorry, I mixed those mixed those uh, two up, but I think Sean McVay is going to have a. I think Sean McVay is going to win this one for the Rams, and I think uh, Matt Stafford is going to win this one for the Rams. Very similar teams. Yeah, the Rams twenty-seven twenty-four at home. I like that a lot, and I really feel like people have been waiting this entire postseason for the Rams to kind of flop. Yeah. And I, at least, at least for me, I, you've you've always had that gut feeling in the back of your mind that it is possible. But on paper, the Rams are the best team in this playoffs, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And I really like this idea, mostly just because of the fact, as you mentioned, because of the quarterback play, can Jimmy G step up in crunch time, pretty much, and essentially not make mistakes? Like his team is uh, is going to put him in a position to win, but he can't make mistakes. But Unlike the Packers game, weather will also not be a problem in a dome. So there won't be other factors that are keeping this game, you know, head to head, because I really do feel like the Rams offense is going to be at some point just get something past that 49ers defense, although they are great. And it'll put Jimmy G in a position where he needs to make a play instead of not making a mistake. I don't know if that exactly makes sense, but it's more like not Jimmy G trying to screw up, but more like Jimmy G actually needs to be a hero now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just—he's got to be able to manage a game. Yeah, and I'm not sure if he's capable of that. You know, especially with how with how good this Rams defense is. So I do like this pick, and I don't really feel like Stafford, Cup, Donald, Miller, Ramsey are gonna let themselves lose at home to divisional rival. They're yeah. not gonna let them do. They're not gonna let themselves do that. I have the Rams winning this game as well. Yeah, it's gonna be a Rams redemption game. Mm-hmm. All right, so now the AFC Championship, the over-under is at 54.5 points, and Alex and I both know you take the over here. This game is very similar to Bills and Chiefs, um, except in this regard, Kansas City's actually 
this is as of Thursday, are favored by 7.5 points. Whoa. Which is a bit interesting because I really feel like, you know, Joe Burrow and the Bengals will keep it close, but we'll disregard that for right now. Anyway, I, I know that Josh Allen and Joe Burrow would be a really, really fun matchup that we all love to see, but it's Patrick Mahomes versus Burrow, which is almost even better because it, it's a it's yeah. a rematch from what we had to end the season. And in that game, the um the Bengals won, I believe, forty one to thirty eight. And yeah, it was a, a three point comeback game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that was uh that that's that, that's a pretty much the blueprint that I have for this game. I expect it to be high scoring, a lot of offense. I honestly feel like this is one of those games where you kind of just disregard the defense. It just it just offense, and it just is what it is. The Bills had a really really competent defense, and you saw what the Chiefs did to it. So thirteen seconds. Yeah, all all, all I can say is that this is going to be an exciting game, and. I think the Chiefs are a better team, but the Bengals have had magic this entire, entire postseason. So, I don't know if it's going to go to an overtime game like it did last time. And if it does, then we're going to have even more of a discussion. But uh, another thing that I'd like to bring up, though, is I don't think there's anybody on the team, on the Bengals team, that would be able to cover Travis Kelsey. Nor will I think there'll be anybody that can cover, um, cover... Jamar Chase, but this is depending on the status of Honey Badger. If Honey Badger is able to play, this could be a different game. But if Honey Badger doesn't play, I think that. Oh wait. Oh sorry. I I, I phrased this. I did this completely wrong. Sorry. I meant to say. I I meant to say there's nobody on that team that can cover Chase. But if Honey Badger plays, then we could be all right. But also, I don't I don't foresee anybody on the Bengals defense being able to keep with with with, with uh, Tyreek Hill nor Travis Kelsey. So. It's, it depends on how you see it, but this game could really go either way. It's really 50-50, but I really think the status of a de- defensive player, actually, Honey Badger, just for him to be able to stop the over-the-top ball to Jamar Chase is really, really big. Yeah. But even if he doesn't, even, even if he does play, this game is still 50-50. This game is really just a show of young ASC quarterbacks, and I'm going to have to take the Bengals. 41 to 38. I like that pick. We both agree here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to have to take the Bengals. The Bengals are just special right now. They're hot. And I know the Chiefs are too, but the Bengals are underdogs. They've played, um, now they've played at, uh, they've played all, have they played all away games this entire postseason now? Uh, no, they played a home game. Okay, uh, yeah. Because they, yeah, they wanted to do it. Right. I do, I do believe they beat Kansas City at home. Yeah. So, yeah. They, they've been there and done that. Yeah. So here we go. This is it. And I know, I know everybody's going to have a bit of a different opinion on this game, but I'm going to take the Bengals 41 to 38. Agree. I think that, I, I don't think I could uh, predict that game better. That's, that's exactly how I think it's going to go. Yeah. We got two. We just had a great week of football last week. We're going to have another one this week. Looking forward to Sunday. All right. Now, for our fifth topic, we have who is the best coach in the playoffs? Now, there's a lot. There's, there, there's Zach Taylor. He's a relatively young coach, right? He's, uh, I believe this is only his second season with the Bengals. He started off with Joe Burrow. I think, uh, I think they've been together as uh a coaching quarterback duo, but I'm going to eliminate him. I'm going to go with the only coach here that has a Super Bowl as a head coach. I'm going to go with Andy Reid. Now, I just want to refer to one drive when I'm talking about Andy Reid. 
And that's the drive that, you know, got them to overtime and got them to, you know, get that coin toss. That play call for like, I, I don't know if you all saw it, but the play call for Tyreek Hill with 13 seconds left and they had two timeouts, that was genius. Pretend like they're all running deep for a desperation play, throw it short to Tyreek Hill, let him speed out people. That was just one of the most well-coached, well-thought-out plays ever. You know, he's created a great cultural environment for Kansas City, too, which is a very underrated aspect of coaching, created a good team culture that even with 13 seconds left, they believe they could still do this, punch this to overtime, and see if they can win the coin toss. And that's what that's what, exactly what they did. I'm going with the coach who's won a Super Bowl, Andy Reid. I 100% agree with this. And just to bring up a, a few different points, because I know people will say that McVay and Shanahan and Reed are all offensive-minded coaches. And it is a fair argument, but I think I'm going to go with Reed because of the experience and also having won the Super Bowl. I know that McVay has been to the Super Bowl. I know that Shanahan has also been to the Super Bowl. Uh, mind you, I believe he was a coordinator at that point. But I'm just going to trust Andy Reed knowing exactly what it takes to win this type of game to do it. And also, I really feel like he just has no fear. He has no fear at all with anything he's doing. As you said, with 13 seconds left, he had utmost confidence in his offense. And they didn't give up. They didn't crawl into a ball. They came back, and they tied the game up and won the game. And again, we'll have to, be, we'll have to see what happens with McVay and Shanahan throughout the rest of their careers. But Reed has the best resume here. and. I also want to. I also want to think back to one game and last postseason. So, when the um, the Chiefs played the Browns last postseason, uh, I believe it was a divisional matchup. Patrick Mahomes came out of the game with a concussion, but even despite that, Andy Reid still had the confidence with his backup quarterback Chad Henney to go for it on fourth down, and he sprinted Chad Henney out and he ran for a first down, and man. It was something magical to watch. Like, Andy Reid doesn't even look phased on the sideline. He's just standing there. But he called it a masterful play. And I, I just remember that play just like it was yesterday because I was just like, what are you doing? You're going for it on fourth down without Patrick Mahomes in the game? And then he puts the ball. Yeah, and then, and then he lets Chad, 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 Chad Hedy run the ball. Run the ball for a first down. Like, I don't know, man. It's just stuff like that that just makes you crazy on the defense, but also as a fan. Just makes you want to watch the game even more. I, I think that Andy Reid's the best coach in, in the playoffs, though, for sure. Yeah, yeah. He's been great. He's been great this season. You know, I believe he's went to one, – one aspect people don't know about him is he coached the – I think the 2002 Eagles that went to the Super Bowl. So he's, he's, he's coached uh, multiple Super Bowl-level teams, and Andy Reid is by far the most established, and that's why we both picked him. Now, for our last topic, we ha we're going to talk about last week. Was it the best week of football? There were four games and four walk-off winning plays. I, I think that's. I think this was the most. If you're a fan of, I don't care what like type of football you like to watch, it was there this weekend. If you like to watch gritty special teams, then I think that. Yeah, then I think that uh, Packers Niners game is for you. If you like to watch gunslinging like last second scores, then I then I think you, then I think that. Uh, then I think that uh, Bill's Chiefs game is for you. If you like to watch last-second turnovers that leads to win, I think that Bengals game is for you. And then uh, the Rams game was a combination of 
all of those essentially. So yeah, it was literally the most complete, complete week of football. We didn't get a single game that wasn't close. That wasn't a nail biter. Uh, even a few of these games can also be considered legendary. Like I believe the, the perfect way to sum it off with the last game of the week, Bill's chiefs. That was probably the best, like two minutes of a game I think I've ever seen and probably the best game I think I've ever seen. I think we witnessed the best week of football. Yeah, in my memory, this is the best week in football. And also, translate what you said into maybe college football terms. Like, if you wanted to watch a Big 12 shootout between Oklahoma and Texas, you got that in the Chiefs and Bills. But if you're more of a Big 10 fan and you wanted to see a snowy, cold game that was a defensive battle, then you got that with the 49ers and Packers. If you wanted a statement game that was, you know, a legacy game for Matt Stafford and also, you know, as it always is, another playoff win on Tom Brady's resume, you had that with the Rams and Bucks. And if you wanted a young quarterback with an underdog team going in at, on the road, you got that too. So there's just so many storylines to follow here, and there's just so many things to marvel at with everything that we got. But I, I, I can't think of another week that just blows me away like this one where the stakes were not higher and pretty much every team had something to prove and it was where to go home where everything matters the most and every team put everything they got on the line so to me this is the best week we're going to have and probably the best week we're going to have for a long long time yeah what a what a way to uh, go into the next week after we had that crazy week we have Four victors from the craziest week of football playing off this week. I'm looking forward to see how the two championship games will go and seeing who will advance the Super Bowl. Anyway, that'll do us for us. That's our last topic. Hope to see you next week. Thank you for watching.